0: Welcome, you're listening to audio of Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. At ICC, we are being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. Wherever you are as you listen today, we want you to know that we love and appreciate you. We're so glad you're here. We hope today's message will help you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at ICCMemphis.com. Thanks again for joining
1: us. Well, good morning, church family. Yeah, love that feedback. We're going to need a lot of that today. We're going to have some conversation. I think it'll be a really sweet time together. I'm Robbie Crafton. As Barrett was sharing, I get the privilege uh, to serve our church as an elder. Uh, I've been a pastor here for almost 10 years, and I get to currently serve in this season as the executive pastor. So I get to support Barrett and our staff team with the leadership of our church. And so it's just a privilege to be able to go to God's word together this morning and to share in heart around uh, the season that we've been in together, the season where we focus on uh, these rhythms of grace. And if you remember our definition, we've been sharing it every week. So I I hope you're memorizing it by now, but spiritual habits, they position us to experience God's grace. As we're looking at rhythms of grace, we know that spiritual habits position us to experience God's grace. We have a God who is willingly and lavishly, he's pouring out his grace on his people, both grace necessary for salvation and for belief, and also the grace continuing in our lives, how the Lord wants to draw us to himself where we could experience more of him and more of our purposes In this world, go into our our primary scripture we've been building everything off of. It's Acts 2.42. And this particular passage says, and they devoted themselves, talking about the New Testament church there in Jerusalem. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers We've seen these three different sections that we've got this really great engineering grid, uh, these, uh, these uh, gears here that, that turn the different rhythms of grace in our life and our ministry in the life of the church. We've got the, the rhythm of the word, the prayer and church life. And so today we're gonna be continuing in church life and taking a second stab at what Barrett talked about last week, kind of the, the other side of the coin of the rhythm of church life particularly the rhythm of stewardship. If you remember the definition of stewardship uh, from last, last week, stewardship is the voluntary and generous offering of God's gifts of resources, time, talents, and treasure for the benefit and love of God others let's let's read this together the voluntary so stewardship is the voluntary come on and generous offering of God's gifts of resources time talents and treasure for the benefit and love of God and others so that's that that's that particular rhythm of grace that we're going to be talking about today continuing and we're going to be kind of breaking out. Uh, two particular aspects in looking at this week. Last week, Barrett talked about the aspects in stewardship of giving, or really talking, dialing in on money, so understanding how to steward our money. This week, we're going to be talking about the discipline of stewardship in serving, Uh, really looking in at that definition and focusing in on our time and on our talent, time and talent under stewardship. There's three questions we're gonna walk through today as we've been uh, every week. I hope if you're you're not taking notes, I hope maybe you'd begin. We're gonna cover a lot of uh, content in scripture today, cover a lot of ground together because this is a very broad topic that you see all throughout scripture and especially all throughout the life of the New Testament church, a rhythm of grace, of stewardship that they were uh, truly embracing and was really a defining feature of the ministry of the New Testament church. But we're gonna answer three different Questions together. We're going to answer what is serving? We're going to answer why should we serve? And to the best of my ability, we're going to talk about how should we serve? How should we serve? So, what, why, and how? Does that sound good? Yeah, good. Awesome. Well, let's talk about that first question what is serving? What is serving? Let's go back and define serving, kind of breaking out the particular aspects that we talked about of time and talent. So serving, okay, we're drawing this from stewardship's definition. Serving is the voluntary and generous offering of God's gifts of time and talent for the benefit and the love of God and others. So let's draw that out, let's say it together. We're gonna drill it into our memory. Serving is the voluntary and generous offering of God's gifts of time and talent for the benefit and the love of God and others. Yeah, great job. A-plus class. This is, you guys are really killing it today. We're going to look first at 1 Peter 4. So if you want to flip open in your scripture to 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to read verses 10 and 11. This is going to be a passage throughout the morning that even as we run through the deepest reaches of the New Testament that we'll come back to again and again. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, this is Peter writing to the church in a time of suffering, calling them to remember what the Lord had purposed them towards and encouraging them in the Lord to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to them. And it says, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's read that again one more time together. First Peter four ten through 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. I wanna go back to our definition of serving. Remind us one more time, serving is the voluntary and generous offering of God's gifts of time and talents for the benefit and the love of God and others. Peter was calling the church to some of the same themes that we see the Apostle Paul calling the church to in 1 Corinthians 12, helping them to realize that the Lord, by portioning a spirit in the life of the church, has called us in the church into roles of service. Service that is not just of our own will and our own strength, but empowered by God's Holy Spirit. If we go back to Acts 2.42, we really see, I think, uh, maybe a startling reality here at the beginning of Acts um, for us as to what the church truly looked like. Uh, It's an interesting reality uh, that we look at and we kind of get the opportunity today to drill into a little bit, uh, looking at their culture. There were some unique things going on in their culture that i think are helpful for us to look at so our key verse and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers and if you go just a a few chapters over in luke chapter 4 we're going to look at a passage that i think continues to expand upon the reality of the culture that that church there was experiencing the church that luke was writing about it says Starting in verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and of one soul. And no one said that any of the things that they had belonged to him was his own. Uh, But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. What a unique culture for what's going on here in Acts. I'm I'm loving the fact that we chose that uh, particular verse in Acts 2 to really drill down in throughout each of our weeks and even looking at each of the particular rhythms of grace. Because if you think about a group of people who are really near to the person, the resurrected person of Jesus, the Savior that they had seen crucified and then uh, resurrected himself back to life, you see that there was a distinct culture among them and what they were sharing together. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about what made that culture unique. Just like Luke's writing in the book of Acts, you also see Paul writing about unique culture among God's people in the book of Romans, writing to that church in Rome. Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. For defining serving again, serving as the voluntary and generous offering of god's gift of time and talents for the benefit and love of god and others what was going on in this church that was so wild i mean when i think about it i'm like it it, to be honest like i feel like our church is a is a very generous church it's a very serving church uh, churches that I've been in around this country, very generous, very serving. But every time I go back to these particular passages of scripture, it, their experience just seems wild to me. Does anybody, I mean, would anybody admit that? Like, man, this seems like a far off experience from what I've experienced in the life of the local church. And I think there are some unique realities about how the church was actually embracing and living in these rhythms of grace that we've been talking about all summer, but there was some particular reality that they had embraced in their culture around serving one another that I think gave them a really unique experience of God and His grace. And we'll unpack that more as we continue this morning. You know, I I just asked you a question, just take a second, You know, have you ever shared life with a very self-interested group of people? Don't raise your hand, you know what I'm saying? That's what you'd be in trouble if you're sitting around them, you know. Uh, Have you ever shared life with a very self-interested group of people? I think most of us have. Maybe you've been in a club that was like aspirational academic club very uh, advance-oriented, maybe it was a corporate community where you were learning uh, better skills to grow in your job. Maybe it was a fraternity or a sorority that was somehow about serving, but was really just about community and identity and being a part of that particular group. What about, what about a community that was truly defined by serving? Have you ever really been a part of a community that was truly defined by serving. I want you to think about this for a second. What were the, if you have been a part of that, what were the intangibles that were different or unique about that community? Just take a second, think about that. Maybe maybe you've never been a part of a community like that and you could just imagine maybe some of what the experience might be like. But for those who have, what were those intangible things that were defining of that community? Maybe it was that that community lacked pretense. Maybe it was that there were like true, deep relationships. Maybe there was a a genuine lack of self-interest. Maybe it was truly inclusive of all different types of people. Maybe it embraced diversity as a priority. We all know that there's like real distinct differences in the experience of a community that is truly about serving and a community that is truly about themselves. And I think today what we can begin to do is to look to the word together and really understand maybe what are those intangibles? What are those unique realities that the Lord invites us into so that we might be a people that are uniquely defined and identified immediately as people think about us as a a serving community, a people who serve together. So what is serving? That's the first question we asked. We defined it voluntary and generous offering of God's gifts of time and talents for the benefit and the love of God and others. Secondly, why should we serve? Why should we serve? Let's ask that question together. I want to focus in on two realities that I think are unique to serving in our hearts. Uh, there's something that God has for us when we serve, and there's something that God wants to do through us when we serve. I really want us to to maybe hold on to these. There's there's many. I'm going to be honest. I could I could we could look at scripture and pull a lot of different realities for why we should serve. Um, as I was praying and really seeking what the Lord was speaking to me, and also what God wanted to speak to our church through these this particular rhythm of grace. These were the two that that the Lord really lifted out. So. Why should we serve? Number one, serving aligns our identity around kingdom usefulness. Serving aligns our identity around kingdom usefulness. Serving, says shortly, serving is an identity aligner. We see Jesus throughout scripture teaching that there's a direct correlation between a person's kingdom usefulness and their identity as a servant. Whoa, what a big idea. There's a direct correlation between a person's usefulness in the kingdom of God and their identity or willing identity as a servant. Serving is truly an identity aligner. Let's look together at Luke chapter 22, 24 through 27. And we're gonna be looking at a lot of the words of Jesus, character of Jesus, as we continue on this morning. 22, 24 through 27. The disciples, they're coming up to Jesus and they're asking this, just setting the scene for us. Verse 24, it says, A dispute also arose among them as to which of them would be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. For who is greater, one who reclines at table, or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I, Jesus speaking of himself, but I am among you as the one who serves. What an interesting exchange here between Jesus and the disciples. Fascinating. Ooh, challenging to me. I'm going to be totally honest. I read this passage and I was like, oh man, oh, here we go, Lord. You're starting in on my heart now. Do you see your heart at all in the heart of the disciples? I saw mine Um, going to Jesus, posturing, insisting on what I deserve, looking for clarity but really looking for position leveraging my position and maybe my relationship with jesus for some distinct honor desiring competition for recon- uh, recognition's sake desiring to be seen as greater over my brother disciples man they were really misguided as to what god valued jesus kind of gave him a smackdown a little bit you know what i'm saying in this particular reality Helping them see. They knew he was their Lord. They were following him as their teacher. What was he calling out? He's calling out he's the greatest among them, and yet he is the one who serves. For honest, our hearts are often out of alignment, and we need an identity realignment. I think in our community, uniquely, we have a lot of really capable, successful people. And I think today there's an opportunity to really lean into what Jesus is talking, not about being one who is served, not about lobbying for position or what you deserve, but about being one who takes in humility, manifesting Christ into the places that we live and we work and we enjoy becoming a servant, identifying with Jesus in that. I drove a 1990s Honda Accord, was my first car, had really sweet purple interior. It was awesome, kind of like a velour. It was really cool, really cool. At least I thought it was. It had a, a skylight, you know, that was where it was at back then. But uh, you know, what, one of the funny things about this car was, uh, well, one, it was old by the time I got it, but two, it was uh, really, it came out of alignment like really easily. Have you ever driven a car that was just like really funky with its alignment? So, you know, if you hold it, you'd have to hold the steering wheel kind of to the right maybe just to like go straight. Has anybody ever had that experience? Just me, okay, cool, Uh, great. I wasn't as cool as I thought I was in the 90 Accord, but the reality is like, just like that car, it needed several different realignments over and over again, I would have to take it in, have them Line up the tires. Maybe it's because I was hitting uh, curbs or different things like that uh, in high school. Um, I don't want anymore, but I'd have to take it in for realignment over and over and over again. And I hope today maybe we can see our hearts are truly in need of a, a realignment. If all of these spiritual habits, they position us to experience God's grace. Right. That's the thrust of what we're doing we're aligning ourselves, the roots of identity in Christ that we have can often be misplaced, misguided, misdirected, just like the disciples who were walking with Jesus, hearing his teaching, and yet not understanding the core of why he had come. What's good and godly can often get off track. Even the disciples, they totally misunderstood what it meant to be great in God's kingdom, you know? Maybe we can too. Living as a servant, it brings us back into alignment. It's that tune-up that we need to bring us back into alignment with truly who Jesus is. We look to Christ's perfect example in this. I mean, good gracious. I love this passage we'll read together in Philippians chapter 2. The person of Jesus, Barrett talked about Colossians 1 just a little bit ago. Colossians 1 talks about how all things were created through him and all things hold together by the word of his power. And I love this particular passage. I'm gonna read all of it. Not all of it's on the screen, but Philippians 2, 1 through 12. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests only, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind, right here guys, this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, is something that is given to us. Something that is given, this mind given, it's yours in Christ Jesus. And then what does this passage go on to say? Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Serving aligns us with kingdom usefulness. It is something that produces godliness in us. There was no one ever, in all eternity, more useful in the kingdom of God than Jesus Christ himself. If he was willing to give up all that he had to come and to serve us and to model what true life as a servant looks like and then to invite and to call us into that identity, wow, how much usefulness could we experience in our own lives in God's kingdom as we align our identity around serving. Defining serving again, I'm going back here because I want us to hold this at the front of our mind. The voluntary and generous offering of God's gifts of time and talents for the benefit and love of God and others. Time and talents. Draw out a couple things here. What really is more valuable in this world than our time? We talked last week about money, Uh, I think that's like a fascinating conversation around value, uh, because time, money, technically is pretty infinite in the world. You can achieve more and more and more money. You can't achieve more time. You can't buy yourself more time. If you talk with a dying person, you can understand they would trade anything. They would trade any amount of money. They would trade anything that they had for more time. What's really more valuable in this world than our time, and what feels to us Right? As people more personally gratifying in this world than recognition or even compensation for our talents. Even as the littlest children, you know, if, if you ask them what makes them the most happy, it would be when their mom or their dad or a teacher offers them praise for good work that they've done or stewarding of their talent. It's the most basic realities. If you look at this, at the end of life and the beginning of life. You see these two huge points of value, innate value that we really see and we understand. Barrett said last week, where your money is going, your heart is going. And where your heart goes, your money goes. And I think this week, we're going to tweak that a little bit. We're going to insert these new realities that we're talking about in stewardship. We're going to talk about time and talent. Where your time is going, your heart is going. Where your heart goes, your time goes. You can even kind of juxtapose that and say, where your time is going, your identity is growing. And where your identity is growing, your time goes. Likewise, where your talent is going, your heart is going. And where your heart goes, your talent goes. Or where your talent is going, your identity is growing. And where your identity grows, your talent goes. Anyone else love to be the best? I joked a little bit ago uh, about being like, man, we, t- we actually even tried to get somebody else to preach this sermon, you know? It just didn't work out. Seriously, I know that's hilarious, but <laughs> not, not because I, I didn't want to preach it. I was excited about it and the opportunity and everything, but I'll tell you what, man, the Lord, he's doing a number on my heart, I think, with this sermon. I hope he's, he's speaking to you as well through these scriptures. Anybody else love to be the best? Anyone else love to be the most recognized for something? Anyone ever hear somebody like starting to give thanks in a room and just kind of like lean in to see if they're gonna mention your name? You know, you know it's coming. You wanna appear humble, but you're leaning in. Anyone love to be served? Anyone love to go to a great dinner where somebody's taking care of everything that you need? Anyone love to sit in a room And hear somebody voice a particular need in their life and just sit and wait hoping that somebody else is gonna be the one to step in to meet that need. Because you know it's gonna cost your time. Maybe that you feel like you already don't have. Or it's gonna cost a talent that in another area you might be compensated for. But with this particular ask, there's gonna be no real recognition or appreciation. Oof. There's an invitation today, I think, as we move towards the second reality uh, in why serve. Uh, why embrace serving as a posture of our lives where we realize not only is our identity out of alignment, but ultimately like we've lost sight of where true reward comes from. I think that the Lord wants to invite us today again to remember the rewards of God's kingdom are different and far greater, incomparably greater than the rewards of this world. Number two, and why serving aligns our priorities around kingdom rewards. Serving aligns our priorities around kingdom rewards. Why should I serve Serving reminds us of lasting joy. Jesus teaches that there's a direct correlation between a person's future orientation. Right? What are we looking towards in their choices to serve now? How can we say, quick hit some of these scriptures, how can, how can we say it's true of us to believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive? How can we embrace instruction from Paul about not looking to our own interests, but more to the interests of others? How can Jesus say that the greatest among you will be a servant, and how can we joyfully embrace teachings like Jesus in Matthew 6:19, where he says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth? How often do we hear that, and it's like, eh, yeah, but really? Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and where thieves can break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Serving aligns our priorities around kingdom rewards. You think about it like this, that offering God's gifts to me, right? The gifts of time and talent Offering God's gifts to me as a gift to others is a path to fulfillment and joy. Look at the rewards that the Lord's promise. We see rewards in scripture of the present, present joy and future joy. John 12, 26. If you have any questions about it, I think this is a great place to go. John 12, 26. If anyone serves me, He must follow me. Jesus is saying this. And where I am, there my servant be also. If anyone serves me, what does it say? The Father will honor him. The present reward in our lives as a servant of honor from God. I just want to sit with that for one second. Because, man, I've sat in rooms. I've lobbied in jobs. I've worked for to be noticed, to be appreciated by people that, man, their their appreciation, their affirmation, adulation, all those things gonna come and go like the wind. But the Lord, our Lord Jesus, who was himself a servant, helps us see that if we identify with him as a servant, we're following him, and if anyone serves him, not res- he, it's not about receiving honor from men that the disciples will think that they're great, that the crowds that follow Jesus would think that they're really good. Jesus says that the Father will honor him. Present reward and honor of God. I want us to take a few minutes, have everybody just kind of close your eyes for a second. This isn't weird, I promise. It's not going to be woo-woo or anything like that. Um, I, uh, I, want, I want you to take a second, just close your eyes. I want you to think about people in your life in small ways and big ways who have served you. People who have put your needs before their time and their talents. Small ways, big ways. Who are those people? Just keep your eyes closed and let's just think about that for a second. And out of that, who are the people who have served you in a way that has helped you to know God? You know, I started thinking about this in this exercise. Keep your eyes closed. I, I started thinking about this in this particular exercise, and I, um, oof, the Lord just took me back to some people in my life who gave their time and talents to serve me, serve my family. I think particularly about Al and Alita Morales who were members of my mom and dad's Sunday school and deacons in our church. As my dad got sicker and sicker, Al would come over and he'd put together my dad's wheelchairs. He'd put together my dad's hospital bed. He'd come in emergencies when called to support my dad if he had fallen and no one else was home. He even helped him dress and get around so he could attend his last men's retreat with their church in the last year of his life. Who's your Alan Alita Morales? I also thought about Richie and Carly Gibson, my next-door neighbors growing up who would cut our grass and run errands for our family, never asking for a dime for the things that they picked up. Secretly knowing my family had exhausted all of our money that month on medicines, they never made us feel different or like we lacked dignity. They just served without recognition. Who are your Richie and Carly Gibsons? I think about Cliff Norville. He was my childhood Sunday school teacher who gave up so much time to invest in a group of rowdy boys, especially one who talked all Sunday school long. Let you guess who that was. Who also took time and talent to help me learn how to play basketball and get better, much better at basketball, served as a coach for me, even paid to help me go to youth camp without ever telling my family or myself that he had done those things. Who's your Cliff Norman? You know, I thought about Alvin and Janet Krantz who gave my older brother a job after he had made a lot of mistakes in his life and no one else would hire him. They worked to invite him into their home, giving of their time and talents not for what David could give them, but because they wanted more of what God's reward was, what he was going to give them. Who are your Alvin and Jana Krances? I think about Kevin and Lisa Womack who took a very, very broken 21-year-old young man and helped him start a business that God would use to provide for him for three years after going through a divorce, losing a job, and losing all of my dignity. Who are your Kevin and Lisa Womacks? And I also think about Barrett Bowden, who before he was my close friend, took time weekly to invest the Bible in me. He didn't really know me that well. I was just coming into the church. He took time to show me what godly character looked like as he opened up his life and marriage family to me. He showed me how, to care, how he cared for his daughters, a growing church family. Showed me, He served me by letting me in to, to see how he oversaw ministries around the city and partners around the world. He started all this just by making sure that I had a friend. He served me in that way when I had really lost almost everything else in my life. He'd make sure that I had enough money to buy groceries, when God called me to stop taking a paycheck for my business so that I could do ministry full time. And when the church could only pay me a few hundred dollars a week at that time to do, to do what I was doing. Over and over again, he's modeled serving to me, and shown me how to live a life as a servant. Who's your Barrett Bowden? There's so many people, hundreds of people that I know that I can mention, if I sat down and made my list long enough. um, People in our church family right now, people in our church family over the last 10 years who have given of their time and their talents to serve me. And what has all of this serving produced in me? What has this serving produced in you? I know for me, this serving has like produced more godliness in me. It has helped me to know who the Lord is. It has helped me to know what it's like to be loved by God. That is what serving does. That's what a true serving community does. Those are the deeper intangibles. Jesus shows us more, bring you all back from that exercise in Matthew 25, 31 through 40. The life of a servant. The life of one who's living about service and the eternal rewards that the Lord promises. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes into all his glory and all the angels are with him, then he'll sit on his glorious throne and before him he will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people from one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep... uh, He'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous ones will answer him saying, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. As you served, as you served. You did it as unto Jesus. Jesus goes on to give the counterexample of the goats that are separated out, the people who thought that they were, you know, with the Lord. But ultimately, he gives this counterexample of saying, you didn't do any of these things from me. And he says at the end, and he says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but these righteous ones into eternal life. Now, I don't want you to get confused about this particular passage of Scripture because serving does not make us righteous. Serving does not cleanse us. Serving does not earn anything from God that we're not already given in unmerited favor that the Lord has given to us in Jesus Christ. Serving does not make us righteous, but serving is indicative of one who has been served by a savior. Serving should be a tell in our life that we are with Jesus and have been served ourselves by him. We see this, the future rewards of serving Jesus, the inheritance that we have in him. Why should we serve? One, serving aligns our identity around kingdom usefulness and two, serving aligns our priorities around kingdom rewards. Rewards that are for the now and for all eternity. So how should we serve? That was our last question that we said we would answer together. And I'm briefly going to take us through six hows um, that are given to us by Donald Whitney. I think this is a great book. Uh, The book is Spiritual Disciplines from the Christian Life. And I really love uh, this particular uh, chapter of the book on serving. And so I wanted to draw out these uh, six realities that he mentions on how we should serve because I think they're very helpful to us today. The first is we should serve motivated by obedience. Deuteronomy thirteen four says, walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him. And hold fast to him. God has actually instructed us. The Lord our God has instructed us to take the posture as a servant. We not only see Jesus modeling that, but we understand that instruction from the Father. We serve obediently because we're going back to our our first verse where we started in 1 Peter. I think this is really helpful and maybe even helpful to commit to memory we serve obediently you see here why how as each has received a gift use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace we serve obediently as good stewards of God's varied grace this is living in these rhythms how the lord is working these out we're stewarding god's grace motivated by obedience we're motivated by gratitude that's the second first Samuel 12 24 says only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all of your heart for consider what great things he has done for you we serve because we realign our identities and priorities around usefulness and reward we regain perspective on life and position and serving we gain in our hearts gratitude as we see how we've been served by Jesus. We serve with gratitude because we are good stewards of God's varied grace. We're also motivated by gladness. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Wow, full stop. There, there it is. You know what I'm saying? What more do you need to actually say about serving motivated by gladness we're invited in to serve the lord with gladness psalm 84:10 for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere i'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my god than dwell in the tents of wickedness we serve with gladness because we are stewards good stewards of god's varied grace we're also motivated by forgiveness And not by guilt. If you look at Isaiah chapter 6 verses 6 through 8, we see this picture in the throne room of God, this vision that Isaiah was given. Isaiah says, and he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. Just like we were talking about a minute ago, Isaiah's serving was preceded by his atonement, his personal cleansing, the forgiveness that God had given him. He was, his, he was cleansed. And then he stepped forward and said, I'm ready to serve. Here I am, Lord. Send me. So we serve motivated by forgiveness, not by guilt. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. I'm going to do my best to read it for us. It'll also be on the screen. I think it's very helpful when considering the invitation to be motivated by forgiveness. The heir of heaven serves his Lord simply out of gratitude. He has no salvation to gain, no heaven to lose. Now out of love to the God who chose him and who gave so great a price for his redemption, he desires to lay himself entirely to his master's service. Oh, you who are seeking salvation by the works of the law, what a miserable life yours must be. You have that if you diligently uh, persevere in obedience that you may perhaps obtain eternal life, though alas, none of you dare to pretend that you've actually attained it. You toil, and you toil, and you toil. But you never get that which you toil after, and you never will. For by the works of the law, there shall no no living flesh be justified. The child of God works not for life, He does not work to be saved. He works because he is saved. We serve as the people of God, we serve out of forgiveness, not guilt, because we're good stewards of God's buried grace. We also serve motivated by humility, John thirteen sixteen says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says again, reminding us, A servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Christ, the pinnacle of all authority. We looked at that passage in Philippians, humbled himself to serve us. We serve with humility because we are good stewards of God's very grace. And we serve, lastly, motivated by love. Galatians 5.13, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We love because we were first loved. We serve because we were first served. Could we today ask God to give us the heart that he has that served us so that we might serve others? We serve with love, because we're good stewards of God's varied grace. I know that was a lot of scripture. I want to invite us into a time just moving towards response of considering what the Lord is speaking to us today. As we answer those questions, what is serving? Why should I serve How should we serve? Just wanna ask us a few questions to reflect on this morning. Where does your identity need God's realignment? Where does your identity need God's realignment so that you might be useful to Him? From master to servant, from exalted to humble to serve, from first at the table, to the one who serves? Where does your identity need God's realignment so that you might be useful to him? How do your priorities need to realign around kingdom reward? Let's be honest, so much much of our life, our time, our talents, our finances we talked about last week is just completely consumed with this present world, is completely consumed with present reward. How do our priorities need to realign around kingdom reward? And lastly, how can we take together, individually committing, together corporately, responding to what the Lord is calling us to, how can we immediately take a next step in offering our time and our talent to God and others? How do you need to serve? Taking on the identity of a servant, taking on the belief of future reward that a servant must have, how today, you know, what is your immediate next step that God is speaking to you to take on more of the posture of a servant being willing to offer over your time and your talent to God and to others. Let's take some time now and uh, just want to invite you into to a time of prayer and responding to the Lord and what he's speaking to you particularly around these questions. They'll be on the screen. I think they'll leave them up on the screen for you if you want to continue to Reflect on them, but more than anything, I just want to give you space right now to just be with God. Consider, consider the rhythm of grace in serving. And considering this, I, I truly believe the Lord just gave me a, a vision, a heart for um, just imagining what it can mean for. Our families for our neighborhoods for our church body for our city at large for us really to take on the identity that Jesus calls us to as a servant to be willing to look for every opportunity to posture ourselves to serve as good stewards of God's gifts of grace today, let's just spend some time knowing that we have been served by Jesus. And He's inviting us, He's inviting us to serve.
0: Thank you again for joining us for today's Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis. We want to encourage you to join us in person for worship soon. No podcast can ever replace the good design of God in gathering in person with other believers for worship in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with ICC, you can visit us at iccmemphis.com. As we close, we offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Thanks again for joining us.